You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 43 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode, I am joined by Richard Meech. Richard directed the film Ayahuasca, Vine of the Soul, which is a documentary that explores the mystery of ayahuasca shamanism, offering insights into the nature of spirituality. Thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. So tell us a bit about who you are. Well, yes, my name is Richard Meech, and I am uh, living here in Toronto, Canada. I'm a documentary filmmaker, and most recently I made a film called Ayahuasca, Vine of the Soul, which is currently available on Netflix uh, as well as through various streaming platforms and DVD. And I guess it was one of the earlier films about ayahuasca to reach an international audience. Um, But that's really what uh, I think why I'm on the program today. (laughs) Uh, What made you want to do a documentary on ayahuasca? Well, I had uh, many years ago in the early 90s, I had, uh, when I was starting off in my documentary life, I had, I had the good fortune to work with the Huichol Indians in the Sierra, the Sierra Madre Mountains of Mexico, who go on their annual pil- pilgrimage for their peyote hunt. And this was part of a group of films for a BBC series called Millennium, Tribal Wisdom and the Modern World. And in making that portion of the series, that is the the part that involved the Huichol Indians, we were able to film their pilgrimage and to participate in the sacred gathering of the peyote, which they do once a year for all of their ritual uses throughout the coming year. And in that time, we... uh, one of the interesting things happened was that the Huichol had given us permission to film with them, of course, but they said, you can't enter the sacred land unless you participate. In other words, we don't want just observers here. We, we are all entering into the sacred land together. So in some small measure, you have to partake of the sacred medicine with us. So I said to the Marakame, that is the shamanic leader of the group, that that would be fine, but that we would be filming. <laughs> and uh, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't really take the amount of sacred medicine that they would be taking, but we would take a little bit. And he said that was fine, as long as, long as we entered into that world with them. And it was, to make a long story short, it was a, a very profound experience for all of us on the film crew, but also with the Huichol. And ever since that day, I had thought, why are these sacred plants not available to the Western 
to the Western person um, in this kind of context um, when I could see and experience the benefits of these, these substances. And so for many years I thought about that and I suppose about 10 years ago I heard about Westerners going to the Amazon to participate in rituals with another sacred medicine, which of course was ayahuasca. And I thought, well, here's the perfect opportunity to make a different film, not so much about the tribal use of the sacred medicines, but of the Western use within a tribal context, within a shamanic lineage, their use of the sacred medicines and how that is entering into the modern world. So when I heard about that happening, I then went about planning to make the ayahuasca vine of the soul uh, documentary film. So it sort of has a 20-year lineage, if you like, Alex, but it's, uh, it happened, uh, you know, it came out, uh, I think, originally five years ago. So it's just, uh, it's, mo it's much more current in that sense. Did you drink ayahuasca before you made the documentary or did you make the documentary without ever drinking ayahuasca? No, I, I, of course I, I did participate in ayahuasca ceremonies prior to making the film and, and for, I guess, you know, a few reasons, you know, one of which is as a documentary filmmaker, you have to do your research. You have to know you have to know your subject. And I felt that there was no way I could understand the worlds that people would be entering into or the descriptions of those worlds unless I myself had experienced them. And so that was sort of from a professional point of view. But also, of course, from a personal point of view, I, I wanted to have this experience myself so that I could see how it might uh, benefit me. Um, and I suppose the third reason was because the people, one particular person that I was filming with, the, the Curandero from Canada named Dave, uh, who was studying with the Shipibo master uh, in Peru, he, he asked me to participate in a ceremony with me, and it, sorry, he asked me to participate in a ceremony with him so that he could meet me in that space prior to giving his commitment to work with me. In other words, he wanted to read me energetically and uh, see whether we were, you know, simpatico in that sense, right? So all of which I did willingly. Um, and we had, uh, we had a couple of ceremonies prior to any filming and those ceremonies were held in Canada. Um, and when all of that, uh, transpired in a positive way, uh, it was clear that we would be working well together. So yes, I was, I was prepared. I was prepared for the journey myself personally and, and, and professionally in the making of the film. And of course, ayahuasca, um, ayahuasca itself, <laughs> unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, began to participate uh, in the making of the film. 
When I was watching the documentary, the girl Kirsten Smith mentioned that her intention was to improve her skills as a doctor of naturopathic medicine. Uh, But I thought it was a very shallow intention and I was happy to hear that after working with the ayahuasca, she realized that she was there to be healed on a personal level, not to improve her her business. Yes, that's so true. And... uh... You know, we of course included that in the film because uh, that's what that's what really happened. And I think with a documentary, you always try and include the you know the salient uh, points in, in in a character's uh, development. You know, in terms of what she thought going in and what she discovered uh, coming out of the experience was was quite different from her intention. And uh, and yet, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people who are called to are called to ayahuasca or other sacred medicines. They're not always entirely sure you know, why why they are uh, uh, being called to participate. You know, there's a there's a million different reasons that they'll put out there, um, and they only find out later upon reflection and through insights received in ceremonies. You know, perhaps what their true reason is uh, or their true intention. But I think. The fact that they put out an intention, uh, however, uh, however inaccurate, if you like, it might be, is important because, in her case, uh, that was her legitimate intention. You know, she's a she's a she's a naturopathic doctor. She wanted to have uh, more knowledge about the sacred plants to see whether they could ever be of benefit to her to her clients. And she knew she could never uh, suggest to her clients that they participate in these kinds of uh, these kinds of sacred medicine rituals unless she herself had participated. So that's a that's a I think that's a, a, a bona fide and respectable way to look at these things. But what she wasn't aware of, of course, going in, was that the deeper internal motivation was really for self. That was not present in her in her consciousness at the time, so it was a it was a gift to the film in that sense that she went through that transformation of consciousness personally, so that what you detected when you watched it, saying hmm I don't know about that intention, uh, you know of course you, you, you of course you're right I mean that's 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 I, I guess I guess that's you could say well it's an important concern to be. Uh, professionally uh, driven to, to to learn more, to gain more information in your own field. But then, what happens, of course, with with ayahuasca is that it it takes you right into um, the personal realm. So that it might, it, in in a strange way, of course, it will inform and it has informed the way she works with her patients. Um, but more importantly, it informed who she was and what work she needed to do. So that was, yeah, you're absolutely right. That observation is correct. I think this documentary is a very good introduction to someone that is wondering what ayahuasca is. But of course, a film can never convey really the magnitude of the experience that an ayahuasca ceremony can be. So have you ever talked to someone that has never drank ayahuasca but has seen your film? And if so, how do they perceive it? Oh yes. Well, thank you first for your comment uh, because my intention in making that film uh, 
or one of them, uh, was to provide as clear uh, a story as I could about what ayahuasca is about in terms of a, a personal experience. And I, I thank you for your compliment because that was my hope with that film. It wasn't to say everything about the ayahuasca world because, first of all, you can't, and second of all, it's very personal. Uh, for each uh, each individual who participates in ceremony or goes down the medicine path, all sorts of things will open up to them. But I felt that this was when I made the film. There was a it was a moment in Western culture where people were beginning to hear about this, but they really had no idea uh, what it was um, and how one could even begin to approach it um, uh, within their particular mental framework. So I was trying to give people not just information, but to give them uh, an experience of what that world was, or what that world is, through the selection of the various characters that we meet in the film. And what's happened when I've shown it publicly in exhibitions, and where I have been able to meet the audience, as you say, uh, many of whom had not uh, participated, in fact, probably most of whom had not uh, participated in any ayahuasca ceremonies. Um, for many people, it, it furthered their interest to participate in ceremonies. Um, for others, and, and in fact, gave them a comfort because they said, okay, I see what it is now. I get the idea, and yes, I'm willing, and I want to take a journey like that, I have some of my own work I'd like to do. So I hear that, and that's and that's that's a wonderful thing. For other people, they watch it and they say, "Hmm, okay, I see what that is. I think that's too much for me. That's too scary, right? I don't know if I want to go there." Uh, and that's good too, um, because it's not for everybody, and it's not for. Um, uh, there's a time and a place when it will appear as, as, as something correct for you, if you know what I mean. There's a time when you can either feel that calling or you, or you don't. But then the other thing I'd noticed, which was sort of a, a third version, is some people would watch the film and they would be deeply affected by it. I mean, to the point that they were in tears, some of them. Uh, in another case, they couldn't speak for a while having watched it because, and I thought about that and I realized later, well actually that was the medicine. That was the medicine working through the film um, in terms of the film itself being a transmission. It was a transmission of, of what the ayahuasca ceremony is about and what it can do to you. And for some of these people, say sensitive people in the audience, they actually had uh, a deep insightful experience of their own which may or may not have led to them participating in a ceremony. But in some ways, it was a profound experience for them. So that was also um, an un uh, unanticipated um, um, you know, consequence of, of people watching the film. But I, I appreciated that. because It showed me once again the power of the medicine and how it actually worked through the film. A big part of drinking ayahuasca is the aspect of the diet, but you don't really touch on this in the film. Was this a conscious decision? 
Yes. No. You. you, you of course, you you touch on a very important part. I mean, as you know, there are when people talk about the diets, uh, or as they call it in the in the in Spanish, they call it the dieta. Um, there are two different types of diets. Um, one is the diet that you have to participate or partake in prior to attending ceremony, um, which, as you know, is designed to clean out the body of all toxins so that if you look at the body as a vessel, so that the vessel is clean, that the, that the body is prepared to receive the plant medicine in the cleanest way possible. And that involves, you know, for a few days or a week or two, depending on which curandera you work with, they have slightly different uh, uh, directions in this regard. But basically, you know, no alcohol, no sugars, no salts, no meats, no sexual activity, all this kind of stuff, just eating very bland foods both prior to ceremony and for a period thereafter so that the medicine has the op has the opportunity to go deeply into your into your body but also into your energetic system so that's what they call the ayahuasca diet but then there's the dieta or the other diets where people participate with other plants other plants totally different plants different from ayahuasca where they go on dietas for several weeks, several months, sometimes up to a year, where they are discovering the properties of other plants, not necessarily psychotropic plants, but as a way of entering more deeply into the world of plant medicine. And of course, that tradition in the Shipibo Kanibo world has moved into a field of study they call vegetalismo. And that vegetalismo tradition is another whole story. And I felt in making the film, while touching on the subject and letting people know that there are specific things one does when one prepares for a ceremony, it's mentioned in the film, but I don't go into great detail about it. I thought it would be too much for people to digest, quote unquote, uh, at, at for this particular film. Um, there is only so much you can uh, tell people or let people experience um, in a film. And I, I yes, I, I, I decided that to go too far into that world might be too difficult for, for, for the average um, audience member, the, the average viewer. But on the DVD with the extras, uh, on the DVD, uh, I do talk more about the, not me, but the characters are interviewed more about the dieta process. You know, both Dave and, and Guillermo Arevalo and Francois, the three different curanderos, they, they, they talk about it. Um, but other films since my film have, the, uh, other films that I've seen do talk about the dieta and the practice of vegetalismo in more detail. But I do think in a way that's the next level for some people. Um, and my film was designed to go out and reach as wide, a uh, as wide an audience as possible to introduce them to the world of ayahuasca. How long did it take to make the, the documentary? 
Well, you know, that's how long is a piece of string, Alex, you know, in a way, because I started the research, the research into the film five years before I actually made it, you know, why I was doing other work as well. And the actual making of the film itself, when entering into production and uh, finishing the film for delivery and then getting it out into the world, that takes about two years. So you could say it was sort of a seven-year process, even though the actual filming days spread out over a six-month period um, was probably about six weeks. Do you see what I mean? It's, uh, making a film is, is not just when you have the camera running. It's all the work you do beforehand. It's the work when you have the camera running, and then it's the long process of editing and getting it out to the viewers. That's all part of making a film. So I would say two years is the, is the, is the, the basic number. And it is still very prevalent virally on the internet, I think. I see it often popping up in tweets and on Facebook, etc. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. You know, and of course, Pirate Bay was, I think, one of the first to grab it. And it's had untold views um, on, on the torrents, which, uh, although it's nice for the audience, it's always difficult for the uh, filmmakers because, you know, it costs a lot of money to make these things. And... Uh, these these torrent sites, you know, they they make they make money on on uh, on the artists or filmmakers' um, work, but the filmmaker doesn't make anything. So it's very hard. Um, on the one hand, you know, we believe in a free internet, but on the other hand, uh, the the artists have to survive too, and and people sometimes don't think about that. But it, it, uh, I, I am pleased that so many people continue to discover the film and, and feel that it's uh, useful for them and helpful to them. And it recently went on to Netflix, um, I think last year, so many more people can see it. And, and, and that's a good thing. You know, that's in the end what any filmmaker wants his film to be seen as widely as possible and then ideally uh, be in a position so he can move on and, and make his next film. But I'm glad that you said it still keeps popping up. <laughs> Does Netflix pay you per viewing or is it a fixed sum when they acquire the rights to show the film? No, wouldn't that be nice, Alex? No, <laughs> they don't pay a royalty. They pay a flat fee. They're like a broadcaster. Um, they buy what they call a license fee. And that license fee is for a two-year term. And it's for X number of territories, whatever the territories they wish to, uh, to put it in. And people can watch it as many times as they like um, over that two-year period. And unfortunately, we never get to know the numbers. They're very, uh, they're very uh, private about their numbers. I'd like to know how many viewers uh, have, have seen it on Netflix. But so far, Netflix uh, has not published its subscriber numbers well their subscriber numbers are well known but the viewing the, the viewing per show numbers are not known so that's unfortunate I'd like to know that do you have any future projects uh, well of course I, the interesting thing is ayahuasca once you've participated in that world 
or the world of plant medicines in general, you know, they enter into your consciousness. They help transform who you are and how you see the world. So everything that I now do, and I suppose even prior to making this film, you know, is informed by the work that I have done, you know, with ayahuasca. Um, and I see that as a great, a great positive contribution to any of my creative endeavors. And the next film that I will be working on, it's still in the, in the research phase, but we'll, we'll be dealing with the larger themes of planetary transformation, you know, dealing with where we are right now at this moment in the 21st century in terms of our growing understanding that we are a planetary civilization and we need to equip ourselves for the kinds of changes that are occurring both on the planet but also individually and how certain tools like plant medicines can help us uh, develop let's call it a new operating system uh, for our own minds for our own cultures to equip us better for what other thinkers have called the great turning and that's the area in which I'm, I'm looking for my next film but I'm in the research phase talking to talking to the specialists and looking for the stories that might best uh, illustrate the changes we're going through as a planetary civilization but you see ayahuasca is part of that isn't it for sure how is the legal status of ayahuasca in Canada well you know in the film it talks about ayahuasca being in a gray zone and in some ways I think it's still in a gray zone although specifically in Canada it is not legal um, but on the other hand there have been no court cases in Canada which have been which have tested the the how do you call it the strength of of that of that law I mean it's listed as a as a banned substance in that it doesn't have um, approval of Health Canada in our particular country to be administered um, or to be used and in particular that came up with the case of not the case but with the the, the media story of Gabor Mate um, who is in my film the the medical doctor who was working with ayahuasca to help uh, patients suffering from severe addictions which we all know ayahuasca is very helpful in healing and he was told by Health Canada to stop uh, doing these ceremonies or they would have to bring the force of the law uh, to, to stop him. So of course he just stopped. You know, nobody wants to break any laws. But on the other hand, it hasn't had that same kind of um, public outcry to to stop something, you know, that this is a dangerous thing. Everybody knows that it's actually quite helpful and very healing. But as you know, it takes longer for laws to come around than it does for the public knowledge of something to be clear. 
So we look at other countries where the ayahuasca medicine has been used for centuries and where governments have recognized its validity uh, and where it continues to be legal, you know, for, to this day, many South American countries and in some places in Europe as well. You know, this, this is all part of a larger trend where the medical establishment and the legal establishments will finally come together and, and realize the, the benefits um, of this kind of medicine if used in a proper context. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. So do you think it is ignorance that is working against ayahuasca becoming legal or uh, is it due to the fact that big pharmaceutical companies rather have people addicted to their pills than those people becoming fully healed? <laughs> well, that's a good question, Alex. That's a good question, looking into the mind of the, of the, uh, of the larger pharmaceutical companies and whether, they're, whether they are nefarious enough that they would actually try to fend off a plant medicine for fear that they would lose money from their own uh, prescriptive medicines. Um, I, I certainly, I've certainly heard that, uh, that thought and it, it does seem to have a certain uh, resonance to it. Um, but yes, you're right, because this is a natural remedy, um, if used in the right context, which is a ritualized context, it's not something you would ever do and just um, go home and have a couple of glasses and feel better in the morning. Uh, it's not like that. It's, it's a different uh, healing modality, which involves uh, the ritual use of this within a sacred space. And, you know, modern medicine can't handle the, the notion of the sacred uh, married to the idea of healing. They just deal with, you know, the physiological body side of things. Um, so I think it's more, yes, as you said, ignorance, um, or they just haven't had the opportunity to, to, in a way, enlarge their own vision of what healing is. Um, and when they can, when they little by little begin to see that there are other healing modalities which are equally, if not more effective than their own, these medicines will, these plant medicines will eventually make their way into the, into the medical consciousness as well. I, I do believe that. I mean, it's already happening. Yes, with cannabis especially, big changes are happening in the USA. Well, yeah, it's huge. You know, I mean, you know, five years ago, people would have laughed at the idea that not only would medical marijuana be, you know, widespread, but that even that the recreational use would be um, accepted in many states of the U.S. And, and it has. So it's happening very rapidly. And again, it happens. Uh, it happens in mysterious ways in the sense that it's, it's not like all of a sudden new, new laws pop up or all of a sudden people have a change of heart. It's, it, it's, it seems almost as if there's a wave of, 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 of popular knowledge about this and the internet helps all this where it just becomes clear that it's just ridiculous to try and stop the spread of something which is so beneficial to so many people. Um, you know, with, uh, with archaic and outdated uh, laws. People, people get that. I mean, it, if anything, it shows the power of, of uh, you know, of, of, of democracy in some ways, where enough people get on the, 
get on the internet and, 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 and deal with their local authorities or publish materials, scientific and otherwise, it just becomes a wave that, cra that crashes over and before you know it, there's been a societal transformation. And cannabis is one of the, the first, in some ways, to, to do that um, because of its widespread use and availability. But these other, these other plant medicines will, will soon follow. Although they, as you know, they're, they're used for different purposes. And, and I also caution to say they're, they're not necessarily the right thing for everybody, right? You have to, you have to be a certain kind of uh, individual who will benefit from, from, the, from the sacred medicines. How can a person tell if he or she is a good candidate for ayahuasca? I don't mean to be glib, but I think, you know, if they do see the, my film, it will give them a sense as to whether it's a world that they feel they would like to explore. Um, I mean, that's partly why I made that film, so people could actually have an introduction to it and get a sense as to whether it might be something they want to explore further. But even if they don't see the film, how would they know? Um, they would only know by trying it themselves, by actually attending a ceremony. And because there's, there's nothing like experience. I mean, you can read everything you want to, so much material out there, uh, both in the internet, but also scientific studies, good books. Um, there's all sorts of material, but reading all of everything you can get your hands on will prepare you to a certain degree mentally, but it won't necessarily prepare you emotionally or spiritually, energetically, whatever words you like to use for the experience itself. And I suppose it's, I mean, my answer to that would be, you just have to have a sense of, uh, uh, of an inner calling to, and an inner desire to, to want to try to have an experience with the medicine, you know, to actually to say, yes, this is something I feel deep in my bones or in my heart or in my soul that I want to experience for my own healing, for my own personal growth, whatever it might be. That's your first indication. That's the little light that goes on. And then you end up, as you get closer to finding out where ceremonies are held and who's having them and who's in charge and all this kind of stuff, then you have many other little hurdles you go through before you finally say, okay, I'm ready. Um, you know, and uh, you've probably noticed it amongst your friends too. Many people say, oh, yes, 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 I'm ready for that. But then as the day gets closer, uh, other, other things happen and other excuses appear and people aren't ready. And, and that's fine too. You know, it's, it really is a sense as to, it's a personal decision as to when you might be ready to participate. But there's, there's no, there's no, there's no blueprint on that. Yeah, I've seen it on many occasions when friends of mine have backed out in the last second before a ceremony. They'll, they'll, they'll back away, you know, and, uh, and that's a good thing. I mean, in some ways I think it's a good thing because uh, it encourages, even when they do that, the people you're describing, what they are, of course, observing is their own fear. And, and so if, if they are people who then are willing to examine uh, their own fear, what it is that, that they're afraid of, and actually, say, attending a ceremony, 
um, they might actually get to the point where they where they discover the nature of their fear, which might be the fear of losing control, the fear of diminishment of their ego, the fear of uh, of, of of seeing another world that threatens the comfort of this world. Uh, you know, any of these things, you don't know what it might be. These are all good things, and in a way, it's the beginning of the process, because some of those people will end up attending ceremony, but maybe, you know, six months later, maybe six years later. But the seed will have been planted that there is more to the world than they think there is, and now they're ready to explore it. So I think it's good that there's sometimes self-editing, and, and yet when somebody's finally ready and they go there, They've already done a lot of preparation, you know. You don't just wander into a ceremony and say, "Okay, let's 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 sit down and and start." You know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't happen that way. Except for my very first ceremony, I always have the idea to back out. <laughs> Why was that, Alex? Tell me. <laughs> because uh, I know what can happen. <laughs> well, that's because you have knowledge. Right. I mean, now now you're knowledgeable, so you know you you know where you're going, and you uh, you know the world that is opening up to you, and you have to decide if you're ready to uh, to deepen the exploration of that world. And you're right. After the first one, it's it's uh, you know you've been initiated. Let's put it that way. And so any any further work um, with in ceremony. Um, while it will be quite different, every experience is different. Um, you at least know the the world that you're that you're entering into, and you have to be you have to decide you're ready for that, right? And there has to be, as you said at the beginning, there has to be an intention to you know uh, to, to your participation. You, you don't just go. It's not a recreational activity. You're going to do work. You're going to get work done. Work for yourself, work for your own growth, work for your own healing. And do you think ayahuasca will be a part of your life uh, till you die? Well, I think, yeah, as I said earlier, I think I think it is. I think it is already. Um, as to how many ceremonies, how many more ceremonies I might attend, I don't know. And I don't think anybody knows. Um, unless you have chosen the path of a curandero or the shaman, if you've chosen the path of a healer or you've been called to that path, those people have been called to the path for their lives, no question. And they will not only drink ayahuasca, but you know, uh, participate in, in ceremonies, lead ceremonies for their lives. That's their work. For those of us who go for healing and for our own, um, for our own growth, uh, that depends on when, when you feel the need for a deeper introspection, you know, for um, for an update, you know, for for an upgrade. It depends on when you feel the need to to go back and go deeper, because whenever you go back, you you go into new areas. You go into territories that perhaps you weren't ready to explore five years earlier, but you're ready now because your life has moved on. And I, I find it's a very centering. I find it's a very centering uh, ceremony. I find it puts you right in the, it takes you right to the heart of, of who you are. And if you 
in your life you start wandering off and you kind of lose a sense as to who you are and you get busy, busy with this and that. The ayahuasca ceremonies have a way of bringing you right back to your essence. And that can be useful for your entire life. There's no question. But you don't have to, it doesn't have to be something that you do on a regular basis. You know, it might be a couple of years before you go to another ceremony. Or you might go to several in one year. It, it all just depends on, on where you are in your life and what kind of uh, focus you have on your own work at that time. But yeah, once you've had once you've participated in ceremonies, once you've developed a relationship with ayahuasca, uh, that relationship is there for the rest of your life. Of course, it is. So, if people want to watch this documentary, where can they find it? Okay, so I guess Netflix for those who have Netflix is a, is an easy place uh, for them to access it for the next few months, anyway. Um, and then otherwise. I have a website, vineofthesoul.com, and uh, through my website, they can either order the DVD or they can download um, a copy of the film, you know, through streaming, which they would own, or it's on iTunes or it's on um, different uh, internet platforms. But if they if they just type in ayahuasca vine of the soul, they will. Uh, see all the different platforms where it's available um, and I hope they do I hope I hope it's helpful for people and it is only on the DVD where people can see the extra material yes that's right Alex and I'm gonna try and do something about that I'm, I'm gonna try and put that onto my website so people who've already seen the film but want to see the the additional materials and interviews um, can access those on the website um, I haven't uh, been able to do that yet, but you know, in that sense, they would uh, they'd be able to access that um, in, if they don't want to buy a DVD. You know, they they would be able to pay a couple of dollars to see all the extras. I think that's probably the way the world is going, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, this is probably a better way to go, but uh, that'll be done in the next few months because I think the extras are useful for people. You know, for people who've seen a film. And they like the film and they want to go deeper or they want to know more information or see extended interviews. I think it's useful to have that uh, available and I will endeavor to do that. But as an independent documentary filmmaker, you know, you do everything from making the film to, you know, licking the stamps to post the DVD. You know, I mean, you just you run out of time. But I am I will be working on that in the next uh, in the next little while and, and get that out to the to the viewers. But. Okay, so thank you for talking to me. It was very interesting. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate it. It was a, a, a great pleasure, and I look forward to uh, hearing some of your other podcasts. If you want to watch Ayahuasca Vine of the Soul, just Google the name, and you will get many options. I'll post some links in the program notes at naturalbornalchemist.com. And also don't forget to like the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. Now, to close this episode, we are going to listen to Lydian Gray and the song Hail. Freedom is in the mind.
sing the darkness and the light The tingling in the DNA feels right The night is long, the right is wrong On the other side of fear What you do when the shift hits the fan And whose name are you gonna be acting then? The road is long, you gotta be strong Come on, don't give yourself away And I can't take you there Cause there is everywhere If you dream it up in a show Yeah, but...